Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. Our guest today is Tori Kassab. And Tori Kassab is a supply chain professional with more than 17 years of just extensive experience working at uh, leading fast-moving consumer goods corporation with, within just uh, uh, America, North America, Europe, Africa, and Middle East. Tori, uh, he is specialized in the areas of S&OP, uh, integrated business planning, innovation management, supply planning, demand planning, customer relationship management, transportation network, and warehousing and inventory management. This is definitely beside the, uh, the being specialized in our topic today, which is how to manage the perishable products. Without uh, just a more introduction, I, I think that we can speak about her a lot and a lot. So just uh, let's seize this moment and welcome our guest today, Tori Kassab. And before we welcome Tori, as usual, let's give him the normal applause. Hello, Tor. <laughs> hello, 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 Ahmed. Hello, Ahmed. Thank you very much for the nice applause. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's Thank a pleasure. You. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having uh, your valuable time. And I think that today we have a very unique episode because it's very irritating and it's very challenging. A lot of values to be revealed today. And let me start the first question for you, uh, Dr. Tor, which is. What does it mean by perishable products? And if you give, can you give us like some examples on the perishable yeah. products? Sure, sure. I would just first quickly, I would like again to thank you very much, both Ahmed, for the nice invitation and this uh, session. Um, whatever you are doing, you are doing something good. You are doing the change that you want to see. And I wish you all the um, luck, prosperity, and your next steps. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. And also, I would like to uh, thank all the amazing audience uh, joining in, the, in this live session and all the other audience that we will review it later on, maybe on LinkedIn or the other platforms. 
Thank you, Tor. So, today you are going, or tonight, depends on the geography. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, something that we all love, something that uh, brings us all together. What is it? What do you think? I think supply chain. Supply chain. Exactly. It's a very good answer. Not not the one that was in my head, but it's a very good answer. Um, I'm going to talk about food. Yes. So uh, everyone loves food. It brings us together. And um, you know, there is an Irish proverb I really like that says, uh, "Laughters are brightest when food is best." And yeah. food. Food is essential, and food uh, so makes us survive and uh, makes us grow and everything. But there is a dark side about food. Do you know it? Yes, managing. I think managing the the flow of the goods. It's exactly. in terms of quality, safety, and service level. All of this, I do exactly. believe. Yeah, exactly, Ahmed. Like you said, um, the the biggest challenge about food in general is that it spoils easily. It spoils yeah. fast. Um, according to the FAO, the Food and Agriculture Association, one third of the food produced in our planet is wasted. Imagine thirty-three oh. percent of the food. Mm -hmm. When we have uh, places in the world that suffer from uh, malnutrition or starvation or famine, the planet wastes one third of the food. And uh, in supply chain, we call the spoiled product or spoiled food wastage. And yes. it can happen, it can happen across all the links of the supply chain from the point of initiation to your own table. Or we call it from farm to fork. Yeah. So uh, when we have this massive losses, it poses big problems and big challenges to countries, governments, and organization, either private sector or government sector. So if we are talking about food, not food is perishable. That's one remark. Some food are not perishable. Some food, they, they don't spoil easily, like sugar, beans, um, uh, some of the uh, grains. But um, the perishable uh, food, which is, for example, fresh uh, vegetables, fruits, uh, meat, poultry, seafood, dairy products, yeah. These are suffering massive uh, wastage on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. yes. Just a small note here, if we're talking about perishables, not all mm -hmm. perishables are foods. Not all, not all food yeah. is perishable, but not all perishables are food. Correct. Some, uh, some non-edible products like uh, medicines, as uh, you said in the beginning, or, mm -hmm. or flowers mm, are considered mm -hmm. perishable yes. flowers. Uh, but they are not really so um the, the challenge in the perishable lies in one one big in supply chain lies in one big spectrum which is called cold chain management yeah. mm -hmm. and by cold chain management is like what the company or the organization has to do in order to safeguard the the integrity of the produce from the point of initiation to the customers uh, you know, uh, households or uh, uh, delivery points uh, by trying at at most to reduce the effect of pathogens or bacteria that spoils the food easily. Mm -hmm. And this is why con by having a very tight and well-managed controlled uh, storage and transportation conditions. Mm -hmm. 
in temperature, either freezing or chilling, and in other factors like humidity. So, so that's that's the biggest challenge in the in the perishable food. Failing to do that actually poses a huge risk to the company and to also the consumers. So mm. some companies can easily go bankrupt if they have one massive contamination or mm. you know serious aliens serious illness coming from such of uh, you know food with malborn disease or uh, food uh, foodborne um, illness or something yeah what differs what differs the perishable supply chain from normal supply chain for any other fmcg or not even food products I think the, uh, the role of quality uh, jumps very, very high in this kind of perishable products. The quality assurance, the quality control role is uh, exactly. top, top in this uh, perishable products, which we can, which we don't see in other uh, uh, products that have long shelf life. The quality team, yeah, has role, but it's not like crucial and important like uh, like perishable yeah. products. Exactly, that's the bread of butter, bread and butter of any perishable supply chain. We call it the golden triangle. We have yeah. the cold chain, you have the quality, and you have the time. Yes. Because as you said before, time is the biggest challenge. For products that they have a short shelf life that goes up to a few days, imagine all the, the stress on the supply chain to deliver this product from the point of initiation or production. Call it uh, a farm, call it um, um, a slaughtering house, call it a dairy farm, whatever to the consumer and this is the challenge here that in normal supply chain if we're talking about any other products you can all, you can go and compromise between two factors you can compromise between cost efficiency mm -hmm. sometimes you tend to be a little bit cost um, you know um, wise when it comes to spending on the efficiency of your supply chain or sometimes you compromise and uh, decide to pay more in terms uh, in order to increase the people market or the yeah, service level yeah yeah service level unfortunately in perishable supply chain both are mandatory it's not an option to compromise yes. you have to pay much because you are utilizing um, temperature controlled conditions in terms of storage and transportation mm -hmm. where um, for example, the reefer container, we call it reefer in supply chain, which is yeah. a refrigerated container. Yeah. I think it costs double or sometimes triple yes, than the normal, normal container. Right. And on the other hand, you don't have the luxury of time to uh, compromise the, the delivery. So this, these two factors pose a big um, challenge to anyone who works in supply chain of perishable products. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I like what you have summarized. That, uh, and I think it's especially for perishable products due to the, the limited time of the shelf life. I think it's all about the sourcing strategy itself. That's why you will find that uh, for this kind of uh, products, you cannot work as a finished good imported. You cannot work in a strategy, uh, sourcing strategy, just to outsource uh, a very, uh, just, I would say, long duration or a period outside of the country. That's why one of the biggest, I, I say, it, uh, uh, supply chain strategies, it's how to adapt for your sourcing strategy and how to come more near 
the upstream to the downstream and how you can shrink the lead time because the more longer that you have a supply chain network longer supply chain network i would say if, if it's we have a normal route to market uh, you have your uh, manufacturing and uh, from that point you have your uh, the, the lead time production you have your lead time for inbound outbound storage and especially if you have a distributor in in the in, in the face of that you are losing a lot i do believe that many business waste are being wasted as you said from two terms which is business waste and even people waste it's, it's, it's at the end of the day it's 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 consumption it's we can use this or use this uh, in in case of the environmental you know how can we be uh, near to the environment and how can we care about environment so it's all about sourcing strategy and it's all about how you can be agile and flexible and release or just shrink or lessen the lead time inside it definitely very good, that's very why good point. yes yes definitely uh, sorry, go, go ahead no go ahead the point that you said about the wastage by the end of the day technically all food spoils at one time perishable food spoils very quickly actually it starts losing its own value at the time of the production so and then value deteriorates quickly deteriorates quickly over time um actually in even societies some societies are poorer than the others and some rich for example in the rich societies the consumer waste more after receiving mm -hmm. the product but in developing uh, developing industries or developing countries actually the waste waste happens in the upstream where mm -hmm. they have poor poor facilities to manage the store and to transport the products to the point of service so yeah strategic sourcing as you said is uh, right especially in these days um, it plays a very important role of course um, the idea in perishables again is to keep everything close keep your supplier mm -hmm. close if you don't have a exactly. supplier try to develop a local supplier Right. Negotiate. Always have a contingency plan. This is my advice to anyone working in procurement or resourcing in in FMCG. You know, in 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 general, in food specifically and perishable foods. Definitely, definitely. So this is a, would open up a new question when we speak about this topic. Especially. Yeah, exactly. Topic so, about many the questions. pandemic. Yeah, about the yes, pandemic. How, how, how you handled the problems in the pandemic for the supply chain for perishable. As we know all, we're, we will hit uh, with the pandemic and uh, very high challenge. Tell it's us about, uh, yeah, how, how did you deal and what, what are yeah. the challenges that you faced from your experience during the pandemic? You see, I have a big network of, um, of friends and colleagues working in many companies. And I, I have, you know, the, you know, the passion for companies that deal with food and beverages. And, you know, I, I heard two different scenarios, two different interpretation of the pandemic and its effect on uh, food and beverage. Some uh, companies claim losses and some companies claim gains. Yeah. Some people, um, some people claim that they consume more food while locked in. Some, some people don't. Perishables. Um, I would say that uh, the household consumption of perishables during pandemic increased, um, but doesn't necessarily mean that companies uh, thrive during the pandemic because parts of the business does does go to um, other sort of business like uh, restaurants, like um, yeah. food service, where these uh, 
this chunk of business has been lost during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the challenge on the supply chain um, was increased because of the, um, the accelerated demands. And uh, in some countries, there were some um, limited time during the lockdown where people can, um, can go shop. Yeah. Uh, easily have you know stock out at the point of uh, sale or uh, sometimes you are as employees as a team in the company or are uh, abided by certain working hours so yeah it, 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 it had but big learnings as well that people should put down in future occasions Definitely. totally totally agree with you and the increase in, in demand as you said it led to a lot of uh, out of stocks sometimes and in some some countries and uh, you had to uh, to deal with, uh, with with crunchy lead times and how you are going to supply the, the stores quickly and all that it was really tough and challenging times definitely I, I exactly yes exactly yes. so dr tori uh I think I wish I'm a doctor, but so yeah, I'm in my way. You are, you are, you are already <laughs> confirmed. Thank you. <laughs> so, the, the, the question that came into my mind uh, it's about the operational model and the operation it's been used in supply chain. Uh, based on your experience, what would be the best operational uh, supply chain model, whether it's make to stock or make to order, uh, in case of a specific SQs or, or a specific? products um, uh, especially for the perishable products i i would speak about it so what would be the the first one and based on your experience based on your philosophy how can a company rely on which model and why very good question thank you very much for that um when, when, when we talk when we talk about perishable foods or perishable products we have to forget about the word stock there is no stock <laughs> <laughs> mcs okay. is not there um, however, you produce according to a strict and also not a forecast because the forecast by the end of the day, everyone knows it's um, top level by product family. You don't have to go into details, but uh, the food in general and perishable food in general is all about uh, fluctuation and variability in the SPUs. So most of the companies that work on perishable foods or beverage, they rely on uh, a well man, man, a well controlled and monitored allocation system mm. um, and allocation and replenishment system is something that goes together and it mandates to the the production what exactly the quantity per SPU that has to be produced tomorrow in order to be in the market by the end of the day not even the second day mm -hmm. by the end of the day and um, it depends on the company. The technology here plays a very important role because mm. this this operation, this uh, allocation and um, replenishment model, uh, in theory, it should be linked with the point of sale. Call it a supermarket, call it a restaurant, call mm. it a convenience store. So, and it should uh, monitor the the movement of the products on the shelf vis-a-vis -vis the the expiration dates. Mm. and to give instant orders to the supply planning team to start producing and shifting the production plan according to these order triggers mm. so again a big challenge again something that um, not all the um, the societies and uh, the companies are executing end-to-end -end because it has to also to come hand on hand with the quality the traceability end-to-end um, 
and uh, you know the forecasting so you can forecast mm. allocation and in food in general seasonality plays a huge role mm -hmm. like our um, our friends in um, the western hemisphere a couple of uh, weeks ago there was the thanksgiving right so imagine <laughs> the, the demand on turkeys at this time around this time so uh, the, the the people who do the forecasting the demand team when they do the forecasting they have also to consider the, um, this seasonality in our world and other arabic words um, ramadan um, season for example triggers more consumption of certain products that are not as much uh, in need in other um, in other seasons so um, this has to go hand in hand with a good forecast so a forecast your forecast will give you um, a taste about what is going on in the company in this month or this week but the allocation and the replenishment system is something not a daily um, routine it's an hourly routine mm -hmm. that changes all over the clock 24 7. and that's yeah. how company definitely thank you Tor. Uh, i believe also it's uh, the role especially for perishable products here it's all about the supply chain agility and when I, when i speak about supply chain agility let's focus in two things one i believe it's uh, from the manufacturing side or just the make side it's all about uh, how much spare capacity you would have because you need to be responsive and yeah. the, the second one it's how you will be agile in terms of plan i'm moving now from make to plan how we will be agile Taking a frozen period or just having a supply planning period or just freezing the supply plan for one week will never serve the company at all. Because as you speak right now, and as you mentioned, it's it could be even that the supply plan on the resource itself could be an hour and we can have the plan for today and tomorrow it's, you know, it's open period. I can change it based on the orders that I could receive it from the, the, the retailer or even the distributor. This is just the two things that I could focus on. And the, the third one, which is, I believe it's how you have a hybrid model in the supply chain strategy. It, it shouldn't be the same model that you can use for one SQ, all the SQs. You can have the same route to market. Some SQs you can have direct to retailer from factory to the retailer if we have the loadability, accountability, because this will serve you and help you even if you're working with a distributor, it will reduce your business waste. So all kind of agility in supply chain would help in that. Exactly. Point, exactly. Yeah, and I think also the role of technology here is very important, as uh, Tari was saying, because this is fast moving uh, products, perishable products. We need to have uh, uh, maybe uh, in some uh, countries we need to have collaborative planning, forecasting and replenishment. We need to have auto replenishment. We need to be very close to the to the to the retailers. The, the customer relationship management must be very high when it comes to perishable products. Exactly. The, the, the retailers uh, per se play a very important role and educated retailers will make life somehow easier yeah. for the replenish, replenishment team um, because they usually, they they are not going to uh, you know to, to focus on each product in each company what is going on what is near expiry and also usually in um, i'm not talking about uh, the consumers in our areas but also the global consumer are very much um, what do you say aware mm -hmm. of uh, um, and demanding on the quality and integrity of the product so, um, for example, uh, we have some studies that some consumers, when they have two stacks of, uh, of products, both are um, 
are freshly produced, they will always look for the production date that is further. So in uh, in their mindset, they will say that this is a fresher product, although both are good for consumption. So also this plays a, a, it puts a big uh, challenge also at the retail management. So uh, having a very good team at the points of sale, merchandising team and all that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Hamamsi. We'll jump into the first question from Dr. Uh, Lab. He, yes, saying thank you so much for asking this question. He's asking how traditional supply chain management differs when we work in subscription economy. Um, yeah, I, uh, Dr. Leba. Um, yes, Lab, yes. Yeah. He is asking how traditional supply chain management differs when we work in subscription economy. So subscription economy, I'm not familiar with this uh, term. If uh, if we need some elaboration on the term. Yeah, I think we need discuss. more elaboration about it, Dr. Lapsing. But I think subscription economy is talking about, I think, services or subscribing through the net, maybe for, for some uh, products. Oh, yeah, yeah like e-commerce. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. E-commerce. Close to yeah, e-commerce that, and all that. that. That's a very good interpretation. I hope that that's yeah. what it means. But um, yeah. very good. Thank you, uh, Dr. Leba, for this uh, question. Yeah, uh, of course, it differs a lot. And as Ahmed uh, was saying, that um, this might uh, remove some obstacles or uh, snags in the in the entire supply chain that will yes. benefit both the organizations and the customers. So, and also after the pandemic, uh, the, um, the the rate of e-commerce consumption increased massively in many yes. nations, and the direct from farm to to household delivery increased. But again, everything has to be in a good control, um, especially in the transportation and the storage, because one weak link will damage the entire efforts of all the team. And yeah, um, yeah. definitely, I think you were working like uh, with big companies like Amazon, for example, they are working on this kind of uh, e-commerce, like a lot, a lot of even of big businesses started to, to open here. If I'm talking about UAE, if I'm talking about the Gulf, uh, during the pandemic, the growth of uh, this kind of subscription and the e-commerce uh, uh, booming was uh, was was uh, amazing during the pandemic. Like growth was double, more than double digits. And like you said, you have to qualify, like you qualify your suppliers, you have to qualify those kind of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of big uh, e-commerce or subscription economy uh, dealers or or, uh, or companies. So that you are make sure that uh, your product is in safe hands and it's uh, it reach the consumers in a good condition, as you said. And quality is the name of the game. Quality, quality must be uh, and time and time exactly. <laughs> the convenience, of course, but this is what made the growth for for this kind of uh, of subscription economy or e-commerce is the convenience and quick uh, quick time to reach uh, to reach the customers and that you are sitting exactly. at home just uh, going through uh, uh, some kind of an app or something and ordering food and the food comes to you directly instead of going outside and still wearing uh, putting some kind of uh, uh, the mask and all that and, uh, and still people are uh, you know uh, health conscious and all that so this makes their life easier Yes, to receive yes. goods uh, door to door. Exactly. Yeah. As you said. Yes. Definitely. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank you, Tarek. We'll jump into the next question 
from our friend the innocent he is saying perishable goods supply chain setup may require strategic sourcing with backup or alternative suppliers to ensure resilience and sustainability how do you manage the supplier network to ensure same quality of products and services very good uh, innocent uh, very good question um we were discussing the the, the strategic sourcing uh, in general then Perishable and non-perishable is something that can um, differs in the way or in the, the the nature of of the product. But using sourcing when it comes to uh, to, to food, because um, maybe the ingredient itself is not uh, perishable, hmm? but the, yes. once you transfer it to a Manage finished product, parent, yeah. Hmm. yeah. For example, um, pesticides is an ingredient for vegetable um, farming, right? So mm. pesticide per se is not a perishable product. Actually, it's the, again, it's the bacteria. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but once you use it as a, a key ingredient, um, you have to make sure that it has the highest quality standards that have the abide with the regulations and the the updated instructions from the Ministry of Health, um, FDA. You know all these big organizations in order to make sure that you're offering your customers the best quality uh, product ever. And also, as, as I said before, always keep your supplier close. Yeah. Um, even if the product, if the ingredient is uh, uh, not perishable, maybe the packaging uh, also uh, needs to be um, very quickly. And the, the fluctuation in demand and, uh, you know, um, and the fluctuation and the surprises, the expectation management in perishable is very high. Now imagine if there is a blizzard or some um, stormy condition at the night, you will lose all the odor. Or vice versa, if there is something happens and people are uh, locked down, you need to go very quickly, store food, so you will double or triple your orders in, you know, in just a couple of hours. So you always have to be ready with the supplier. Thank you, Tarek. Beautiful. So we have the next question from, and it's somehow a question from our friend Jocelyn Lee. She's saying, please address environmental hygiene in transport, uh, monitoring and uh, verification of verification. Excellent. Thanks, uh, Jocelyn, for this uh, very good question. It all goes into the big uh, banner that we mentioned, which is the cold chain management. Uh, there is no joke in cold chain management. One, a few um, depends on the country, depends on geography. Sometimes few minutes out of the cold chain management will spoil the entire batch. Mm -hmm. Yes. And even um, uh, countries uh, that uh, usually are uh, cooler than the others, the climate change causes difference uh, in the climate right now and sometimes you feel um, you know heat in uh, places that it used to, didn't used to be that hot in the past and so also not the temperature alone the humidity and some other factors so the hygiene one of the part is the cold chain management and of course choosing the best supplier when it comes to uh, utilizing the reefers the storage conditions everything has to be very clean and intact and maintenance uh, pre preventive maintenance all around the clock so uh, this is that actually what differs uh, companies from mm -hmm. others 
and this is what different brands from others if uh, you're lucky yeah i think this goes also under the umbrella of uh, like we have gmp good manufacturing practices for example in pharmaceuticals this is very important that uh, shared by, uh, by by governments shared by countries that uh organizations and factories should follow this good manufacturing practice if they fail in that they will not be qualified you're not in the market uh, yeah you're not in the, you're out of the market uh, totally and the, the, in the perishable food uh, uh, governments then they don't uh, just frown upon companies who fail in the hygiene you know yeah. perishable food uh, it's a national security again exactly. bad bad hygiene might actually cause severe illness to people so there is no joke here. Yeah. Thank you, Tari. Thank you, Ahmed, again. I think Dr. Labi is defining the subscription, economy yeah, subscription. Think, uh, Business Dr. is Lab about the value yeah. of service for full yeah. life cycle on the can, yeah, can I, I give can, can we give I Dr. Lab something? Yes, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> can we give him something? Please, please. <laughs> it's something new for me, just that's yeah, why. Thank I, you, I, Doctor. He's uh, talking about like subscription, like magazine subscriptions, like you subscribe oh, yeah. to service or product that comes to you weekly, uh, monthly, uh, like ordering without uh, putting an order. You're putting an order that's repeating. It comes to you weekly or monthly. Yeah. Or really. yeah. 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 Thank yeah. you very much for this. Thank you very much for this. Uh, thank you. It's uh, yeah. new for us. It's new value. Yeah. Subscription business. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We jump into the next question from our friend Amr Ramadan. Hello. He is asking, do you think e-commerce will make huge retailers like Amazon more strong? On the other side, it can omit regular wholesalers from the supply chain manufacturer e-commerce directly. Definitely. Definitely. And again, the pandemic has uh, proven this uh, correctly. And people uh, really shifted their um, not not because of the, um, the the need it was because of the urgency um, people were actually afraid to go out during the pandemic in order not to catch any uh, illness so they they tried and it worked so they will keep on trying it afterwards that's the future um, however um, don't forget the role of our uh, simple convenience store at the corner of our house in, uh, depending on delivering our uh, basic commodity that will always be there but the shift between traditional and modern trade and e-commerce are not going to be the same like the last decade exactly and i think uh, uh, just adding to your point Tor, uh, e-commerce as we spoke already it's uh, very trending and definitely it will cannibalize from the existing channels and the, the normal retailers because if you just see the, the trend, what's happening in the e-commerce, it's growing massively with a double, triple, uh, every every time, the double or triple the, the, the annual uh, just the trends. So what I'm saying here, it's uh, most companies right now, they start to focus on the e-commerce. However, one of the biggest challenges of the e-commerce, it's uh, their uh, bearable, I would say, supply chain cost because supply chain cost, if you're talking, if you don't have the right uh, uh, network or supply chain network for distribution and transportation specifically, it will cost you a lot. It will dilute the margin. That's why most companies right now, they start to uh, focus on uh, the e-commerce 
but definitely it will cannibalize from the retailers themselves and they start to evolve their distribution network and their transportation network in the right way so one of the, the the things that most companies they focus on it's the multiple drops how can you work in the multiple drops and work and just to utilize your uh, uh, transportation and at the end of the day just uh, in, enhancing or improving your profit margin at the end of the day but definitely e-commerce uh, it's very essential channel yes it's very essential channel yeah definitely thank you we'll jump into the next question for our friend ahmed ahmed is asking what is top five most important kpis in the supply chain so we're talking in general i think we address this so tell us in perishable supply chain are you free are you free tonight give us two or three and we will <laughs> yeah. Um, again, it is it, when when we when we come to uh, to, to perishable products, uh, customer service level is one of the biggest and the most important uh, level. Um, it can be upgraded to the OTIF on time and yeah. in full, where you are not only measuring the fulfillment, you are measuring the lead oh, time, right. and this makes a big sense when it comes to perishable foods. Um, forecast accuracy, of course. And um, the forecast accuracy here, although it is doesn't uh, you know trigger much changes because again the market is very dynamic, but it will give you a sense in terms of uh, you know the expectation, especially in the production lines and the packaging and sampling points, where you know they a little bit of future uh, projection will help. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, supply plan, supply. Uh, um, what do we call it? Um, Confirmance the plan or, or, yeah, or adherence to the plan. Adherence or confirmance or you know, depends on the, on the culture of the companies. Exactly. Um, yes, uh, also the, the forecast bias is important as well. Yeah. Because when you, when you read, you know, the financials, anything that has to do with the financials is very important. Definitely. I would like to add the balance score, scorecard and how we can engage the sustainability matrix into the PPI. And uh, yeah. I think that uh, when it comes to food and uh, perishable products, uh, environmental metrics uh, and sustainability plays a very important part and it should be measured and tracked by um, all um, matured organizations. In terms of packaging, in terms of uh, production, carbon footprint, mm -hmm. and the usage of um, you know, mm -hmm. energy during the entire uh, supply chain, because to be frank, the um, the, the kind of uh, energy and for cooling and freezing and insulation that is used for perishable food mm. is massive. So work and technology here is a very important role as well. Definitely. I, like, I like this one. Can we have a close please apart from this one? Uh, that's what you well, yeah. I, I would give it now. <laughs> Really, because most, most companies focus on the top and bottom line. They don't focus on the triple uh, bottom line. And, uh, now the, and nowadays, this, uh, this uh, is very uh, hot topic. And uh, people should, uh, should focus more on the environmental uh, goals for, the, for the company. Yes, thank you. I like I like what you said that uh, Tori and Ahmed. If you allow me, I'll just add something. And I believe just it's a sense. Just uh, 
one of the challenges for the perishable products it's i'll take it from uh, uh, the, the retail point of view okay if we work as a make to order and we are successful in that and we don't have any business waste uh, in our uh, supply chain network for the organization or even at the distributor side i believe one of the challenges is from the retail side and how you are having your cda or customer development agreement and especially i'll, I'll talk about specifically the returns from the retailers uh, because uh, it's your responsibility at the end of the day if you're uh, just the products being sold to the retailer no still you have challenges from the other side which is your your agreement with the retailer uh, some of the products and if i'm talking about a customer that is is owning the distribution network definitely you have to add all of this into uh, the, the lead times to have it on shelf at, at, at it, uh, itself so one of the challenges is managing your retailer because at the end of the day you are managing uh, your uh, PMDL, maybe I will speak about at the sell-in, but at the end of the day, you could have a returns that will devastate your provisions in your PMDL and will devastate your margins and will take your top and bottom line to somewhere if you don't manage it well. So looking into uh, uh, the, the retailer and the inventor, the trade stocks, it's very essential for uh, perishable products and managing it. Of course, Ahmad, you touched a very important point and actually a pain point in most of the companies that deal with perishable products. Um, and it's part of the sale management. Whenever, whenever you have uh, products that you decide to kill or uh, proceed with, it is all about the, um, the P&L with respect to the, to the wastage incurred. Definitely. Definitely. And some some products are um, are having a big wastage by definition. Again, it has to do with the deterioration over time. And some can be can you can always uh, do better, and there is always room of, for improvement. The retailership management is very important, and um, again, using the technology because retailers are there are a lot of retailers, and there are not there are a lot of companies, so they are not going to focus with you that much. So using of technology in tracking traceability, expiration conditions, mm -hmm. merchandising activities, all of this with the handhelds, the the, the replenishment Space. team use, and in, in order to do the to relocate or rotate the, mm -hmm. the products across the retails conventional. Maybe the the products will move from. Um, from key accounts or you know uh, modern mm. channels to more traditional or conventional channels Definitely. as long as it's within its consumption uh, life it you can always uh, do, do some good discounts or promotions or three uh, buy three get one bundles or whatever <laughs> yes. again it's a win-win situation of company and the retailers should work together to achieve this. collaboration Definitely. Definitely. thank you Tore, and thank you hamamsi again we'll jump into the next question i think that we have well, too many questions <laughs> i think we will so, of course we need maybe uh, more than one session as i told, uh, told Definitely. yeah because it's Definitely, very big yeah. topic very big. Yeah, and of course, uh, if we cannot uh, get all the questions, we will uh, definitely try to cover it after. Uh, try yes. to cover it through us or yes. through uh, our sure, expert sure. Uh, yes. director. Definitely. So, uh, our next question is from our friend, our lovely brother, Amr Nabil. He's asking Does the current crisis in China affect on the supply chain in the whole world? And how is it eliminated in your view? Wow, Amr, it's, uh, it's a very good question. And it's uh, 
it's very obvious actually uh, you can as a consumer you can feel it in the in in the local uh, store near you everything is increased all the prices increased uh, what you can we can we can what i know surprisingly enough that uh, the cost of uh, convenient uh, usual uh, 20 feet container has increased by 10 times during the past quarter yeah. so imagine what is the cost of the containers would do on the the, the pnl and the and the prices definitely of course the crisis in china and um the but that's i i don't think that the the basic rule uh, or the the origin of the problem comes in china as much as the the the, the effect of the ppes and the pandemic uh, you know consumption of containers uh, getting them and not returning them back made uh, made a crisis in the in the shortage in the containers however i think that uh, one day this will balance out and um, uh, but it's not in the near future i don't think it will be in the near future but uh, yes it affects the entire supply chain and the entire world i agree with you i think it will balance out but uh, even the prices will not reduce on, on the consumer level you know, when you get uh, the prices are getting higher and higher will not reduce maybe the yeah. price will stop uh, will stop increasing but uh, it will be, uh, <laughs> Yes, yes definitely. Yes, and I think just how can we eliminate it? I think one of the strategies that we always speak about it, it's moving from a globalization, especially for the companies, yes, into localization and even localization, one of the best strategies right now. And most companies, they shift uh, their strategies from global hub into local hubs. They somehow uh, compromise a little bit on their margins and their inventory at the same time, but they know that they can have their business sustainability along the way in their local markets because the, the pandemic has taught us many things. And the good, uh, the best organizations who learn and ponder and reflect based on the experience, how they can be always sustainable, how can they serve their consumer or customer in the right way, not just exactly. focusing on a P&L only business pure. And as Hamamsi said at the beginning, triple bottom line, looking at it, yes. into it, 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 just, yeah. Yes, Thank you. and the companies don't, don't have to be that much lean these days. Um, <laughs> because, you know, the lean uh, hype uh, used to be there in the beginning of the 2000 2000s, where uh, just in time inventory. And no, I am not pro of that right now. You have to keep your safety buffer stock of everything because things change from one night to another. Yeah, it goes to the uh, very high volatility. In the exactly. Definitely. Yes. Thank you, Amr and uh, Ahmed. We'll just uh, jump into the next question. Ahmed Qasim, he's saying, with current challenges in the supply chain, could we keep our sustainable target for perishable products? I think yes. If uh, the companies and the governments and um, the um, even the NGOs, you know, I'm just speaking macro level. Yes. Uh, that's not uh, one single. Um, task uh, one single-sided task it's a collaborative work because sustainability is uh, is no joke we can see all the climate uh, change effects that happens because of non-sustainable decisions companies and countries took many many uh, years ago you know so yes sustainability is is doable if um, even consumers accept that they might have different kind of packaging uh, buying on bulk to save on the packaging or the energy 
I think consumers not uh, only uh, accept that, but they encourage this. You know, when they see a company doing that, they encourage and buy more and even share more on social media. And you know the effect of social media now on, uh, on decision making for people, effect of influencers. If you see any kind of influencers or any kind of people even using this product or promoting for this product, it definitely uh, uh, gives uh, the company a big boost. Exactly. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Thank you, Thank you, Hamamsi. Thank you, Tore. Also, we'll jump into the next question from our lovely LinkedIn user. I'm not who I don't know who is he or she, but hopefully we will find it after this session. Thank you even for asking this question. So he's asking or she is asking how FMCG company control and manage the return and reverse flow. I think it's very lovely question. Very good, LinkedIn user. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, managing the waste, uh, reverse supply chain as a tar as a topic itself is huge. And actually, you know, there's science behind it. And uh, again, it's part of the sustainability because of what do you do with the wasted product? So, yeah. you, are you going to throw it away? Where are you going to throw it? Throw it? Uh, how you are going to make sure that it doesn't affect the environment? So, of course, um, companies with um, with uh, with complete um, abidance with the regulations, the local and the regional and um, global regulations, they are doing. Um, they have to do this to manage the wastage, and, and managing returns in terms of financials and in terms of physical movement. Definitely, yes. I I think also just part of the control. We will stress also on the same point, which is controlling controlling the reverse and the returns from, I would say, from a company or from a distributor to the retailer itself. It's all about the, setting the right policy and the, being just, uh, you know, clear with your uh, retailer about your products. It's not playing the game, push game. It's not playing the sales game. Because pushing your stocks to from distributor to the retailer and having a, a, a buy policy that you have a returns, it will not help you. It will it will be like you know a temp bomb. It will explode at any time. So looking into what you're selling. Sometimes even I see I know I know some organizations when the retailer they ask them about extra sales, they ask why. Why? Why exactly. you are selling this? Because exactly. it, it will end then because you have your baseline and you know how, how baseline sales, how it looks like and how you, your promotions. If, if the, the, the customer, maybe it's a lack of capabilities, maybe there is something more. But this kind of experience, this kind exactly. of uh, skills we should have just to manage the return because return, it, it started from the sell-in towards the retailer and looking in it, into it. Yes, yes. and again, it's a place, um, it gives us the importance of the good, I will not say forecast, forecast in normal uh, normal products, you can translate it into allocation and replenishment modules. So good allocation and replenishment module will tell you what each retailer requires now from which SKUs at what quantity and what price. Because mm -hmm. and also the trade marketing team plays a very important role in that area because not all products can go to the same channel. Some products are very or mm -hmm. um, that are functional enough that provide you know specific um, you know functionality to the niche marketing yes the niche or, or specific mm -hmm. functionality to target uh, consumers they are not shopping in this uh, channel you know so mm -hmm. yeah that's part of marketing trade marketing and also allocation and replenishment system.
Thank you, Tari. Thank you, LinkedIn user. So I think we got uh, here that uh, our LinkedIn user is Ahmad Abdel Azim, our friend here. Who gave, he's uh, revealed. Gave, yeah, he gave the LinkedIn user. So thank you. Gave, thank uh, you, Ahmad. Thank you, Ahmad. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, Hamamsi, also for revealing this. So our friend Ayman, uh, he is asking, many companies in this sector are increasing the price nowadays, which results in unsatisfaction from customer side. So how we can, how do we decrease this dissatisfaction as much as possible? Yeah, that's a painful question, Ayman. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Very nice course, you know, yeah, very nice question, and that's what uh, happens. Um, all the, the all the world ha is suffering from um, a price inflation, and it co it's combined with stagnation. So there is have something called the stag in stagnant inflation. Stagnant, stagnant inflation. inflation. So this is yeah. The outcome of this is simply price increases. However, I think that um, it's um, what differs companies from others is the how uh, how strong they can take the hit and try not to forward the price increase to consumers. Maybe they can play around in their PLs to see how they can do the savings in other um, in other you know uh, articles in the PNL, and uh, they can uh, again with lean uh, efficiency with high efficiency they can work around the cost in order not to pass the impact to customers. I think uh, I like this, and also it comes here to marketing. Uh, how how are you going to to sell this uh, this price increase, people? So maybe you have to uh, you can uh, give some rewards. You can you can you can all give some offers before doing this uh, this price increase. There is a lot of ways to to absorb yes. this uh, this uh, this price increase instead of going directly into to price increase. To exactly. Pricing. So Definitely. you are just uh, playing with the consumer mind a little bit yes. before applying this uh, this uh, price increase. And it's the only way, as you said, if you tried every everywhere to, to absorb the price on the PNL. Well, yes, again, again, it's all about the strategy. Hamamsi Antara, I think it's if uh, the easiest way, I keep saying that, if you have uh, some challenges in your margins, the easiest way, it's two ways, I would say. One, have a price increase to remove the overheads. This is the easiest way if you want to have just uh, improving your margins. But again, it comes to the quality of leadership that inside the organization. If I'm looking about, if I'm looking to uh, my revenue, I would say. So am I investing rightly before taking this price increase at any level? Am I investing in the right channel with the trade investment that I have? What is the ROI? Am I, am I just measuring it in the right way? Because if I'm just investing in the wrong channels and I have a negative ROI for some activities, why don't I just reinvest this in another channel or another products I can support and have this incremental increase in my top line sales, which will improve by default my yes. uh, margins. And again, if I don't have any option except the price increase, how are we taking the price increase? Because I'm, I'm telling you from hands-on, and I know my friends there, sometimes you have a price increase on a total you know, niche or a total segment. doesn't make sense. What if, if a product is a price sensitive from the market? What is the price index? What is my value proposition? All of these questions should be asked before taking a price increase. Exactly. Because people, they think that 
forecast, I forecast when I when I have a price increase, I will have this incremental sales, and you you find that it's annihilated. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. There is always a price elasticity. You have to take it into consideration. Exactly. Otherwise, you will find you are taking price increase, and at the same time, you are investing too much money from your market, which will compensate. And even sometimes, it's offsetting its buy exactly. negative. So exactly. Yeah. So it's not the it's not the easiest option. It's not the best and the most prudent option. Um, unfortunately, it gives a direct uh, positive uh, impact on the top line, which makes everyone happy. <laughs> However, I believe in the, um, in the balance of the markets and the supply and demand and the economy of scale. So uh, again, Definitely. that's what differentiates that what differentiates companies from others. Definitely. Thank you, Thank you Tara. I think we'll take the last question. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and then we can answer whoever or whatever or whatever coming <laughs> on the way so we have our friend uh, king kingsley he's asking what are the five basic steps of supply chain management yeah good one, good one question kingsley um supply chain management is like you know the book the epics order the academy of supply chain they define it as the movement of products and information from uh, uh, um, uh, so source to, uh, to, uh, to customer or from uh, upstream to downstream and vice versa. So the steps would be the people, the information, the, process, the processes, also the, um, the modes, what are the modes that are going to use and what are the technologies that we are going to implement and what are KPIs that we are going to use to safeguard and protect the entire module in a nutshell yeah. Yeah. definitely definitely Tarek. also there is another way to to to, to take this question i think it's about make uh, when we produce about sourcing source make plan, plan deliver uh, return. deliver deliver and return these i think are the basic five steps like you said it's like the moment to products from supplier supplier to consumer consumer and vice versa the way that so, exactly. so it's about all this yeah. kind of about, about all this chain and all what's happening between this so it's a very big very big story i think this question can take yeah. a, a whole just a for or, anyone who is interested to study supply chain or uh, people who are uh, you know from different domain and they were wondering about supply chain i always tell people supply chain is intangible yes. because when <laughs> usually when you say supply chain people will uh, imagine freights and uh, containers and stores warehouses <laughs> in their mind no for a supply chain is a concept um, uber is a supply chain booking.com is a supply chain yes. uh, mm. you don't have to have any physical thing um in the operation but connecting one point with another through the movement of material or information and services from one way to another and vice versa that's all about that because the traditional uh, way was thinking of supply chain always as uh, logistics and warehouse and yes. that's it sometimes they have procurement but no planning planning is uh, like something uh, new for here i think yes. for the region here for the supply chain and yes. and so, so in a exactly so in a sense everything that organization does is supply chain but it's how it's connected except for the financials where the financial you know safeguards the entire process mm -hmm. 
yes. and the quality but uh, from the from the production to assembly to uh, distribution to distribution centers to uh, customer delivery to replenishment to waste the reverse supply chain all of this on the supply chain umbrella definitely exactly Toru, uh, we would like to thank you uh, i think uh, as we speak that time is flying <laughs> it <laughs> definitely does, yes. it's flying now it's one hour and almost six minutes we would like to thank you for your valuable time and for your valuable experience you. and the insights really it's very valuable we don't have this before uh, experience about perishable products but definitely yeah. i think today was an amazing values so yes. we would like again to thank you and thank the audience and thank my co host thank, thank, thank the audience of course for the yes, amazing of audience thank you yeah, very much a lot of uh, Great questions and thank you, Laurie. Of course, I learned a lot from from this session. Honestly, from my pleasure, a lot of experience. Uh, so thank you and thank you all and thanks, Ahmad. Of course, my uh, my co-host. Thank you to all the global assembly community. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank, thank you. you. And I would like I would like to uh, since we are in uh, December already, I would like to wish everyone across the world who are listening or will listen. A very happy holiday season, happy new year, prosperous with all the prosperous and success in the world. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Hopefully we can plan again. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co We believe that one word, one story or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.